From the Valley of the Sun in Phoenix, Arizona, welcome to episode 209 of the What is Truth Catholic podcast. My name is Deacon Steve, and I'm a permanent deacon in the Diocese of Phoenix. Well, we all know what life has become with the coronavirus. Our routines have been blown up. Some of us are, can't work and have to stay at home. Others of us are living in fear. But we are celebrating, even though all churches are closed, the fourth Sunday of Lent, Terry Sunday. It is a time, despite these fears that we have, to rejoice. For if we did have Mass this weekend, or if you watch it on TV, as I plan to do tomorrow, you may see priests and deacons wearing rose-colored vesture to signify that spring is coming. It's actually here, and Easter is not that far away. So although we are all as a people, frightened, isolated, social distancing, and all of that, we are not to live in fear. For Christ our Lord came into our lives to offer us hope that we are to be people of faith. So when we're afraid, what I do is I just repeat kind of this statement, faith over fear. Faith over fear, over and over again, until the fear goes away. May our Lord give us the grace and the faith to withstand this coronavirus and all the ramifications that it has had on our lives. And may we continue our Lenten preparation as we rejoice in how much our Lord loves us. In episode 209 of the What is Truth Catholic podcast, we first discuss our Saint of the Week, Saint Turbius of Morgrovo, yeah, right, who was the first known saint of the New World. We will hear a homily for the fourth Sunday of Lent as Jesus encounters a man born blind. In the segment entitled Catholics in the News, we will learn about priests in Baltimore and their efforts to increase sacramental participation. In our segment Truth in the Media, we will discover a new documentary movie about a popular saint. In a segment entitled, I Don't Get It, I will try to understand a new bill being considered in Alabama. Finally, during our truth topic of the week, we will hear the truth from Pope Francis about freedom. All of this, plus music from Aaron Hale, who sings, It Is Well With My Soul. This and more on episode 209 of What is Truth? Saint of the Week. Together with Rose of Lima, Turbius is the first known saint of the New World, serving the Lord in Peru for 26 years. Born in Spain and educated for the law, he became so brilliant a scholar that he was made a professor of law at the University of Salamanca and eventually became chief judge of the Inquisition at Granada. He succeeded too well but he was not sharp enough a lawyer to prevent a surprising sequence of events. When the Archdiocese of Lima and Peru required a new leader, Turbius was chosen to fill the post. He was the one person with the strength of character and holiness of spirit to heal the scandals that had infected that area. He cited all the canons that forbade lay ecclesiastical dignities, but he was overruled. Turbius was 
immediately ordained a priest and bishop, and went to Peru, where he found, found colonialism at its worst. The Spanish conquerors were guilty of every sort of oppression of the indigenous peoples. Abuses among the clergy were flagrant, and he devoted his energies and sufferings to this area first. Trebius began the long and arduous visitation of an immense archdiocese, studying the language, staying two or three days in each place, often with neither food nor bed. Turbius confessed every morning to his chaplain, continued Mass with intense fervor. Among those chosen to whom he gave the sacrament of confirmation was the future St. Rose of Lima, and possibly the future St. Saint Martin, well, he is a saint, St. Martin de Porras. After 1590, he helped, among others, the great missionary Francis Solanus, now a saint as well. Though very poor, his people were sensitive, dreading to accept public charity from others. Tribius solved the problem by helping them anonymously. His feast day is March 23rd. St. Turbius of Mogrovejo, I got it right this time, who served the vulnerable and brought the love of Christ to the new world, our Saint of the Week. Homily of the Week. Today's homily is based on the readings for the fourth Sunday of Lent, as Jesus heals the man born blind. In this health crisis that we're having, it's easy for us to feel alone, to feel because of the need to stay away from other people, to feel isolated. And isolation and being alone, particularly when there's something we're afraid of, leads to incredible emotional roller coaster. We may be anxious, depressed, living in constant fear, always wondering if we have it, you know, taking our temperature constantly, every single thing we feel, oh my God, am I getting it? We can live our lives that way, in total fear. And that, although it's understandable for us to be afraid, That is where the evil one resides and wants us to be. But our Lord, as we hear in our first reading, as he sends the prophet to the family of Jesse and says, one of your sons will be king. And And God picks the most unlikely, the youngest and the one that Jesse never thought he would pick, David, who becomes, of course, a great king. God sent Samuel to get David. God came to David. In the gospel that we hear of the man born blind, we hear the story of Jesus rubbing the paste or whatever it was on the eyes of the blind man, and he is healed, and the whole story about who cured you, and he's from the devil, and all that kind of stuff. But the bottom line there, again, is that God, Jesus, came to man, this man born blind, to heal. God comes to us, too. But sometimes we don't see it. Our Lord is trying to heal us, even and especially during this time of the health crisis. 
God wants to heal us from our fear. He knows we have it because we're human, but he doesn't want our lives to be destroyed or dominated by it. God wants us to have faith in him, to realize what is important, to realize that the most important thing, especially at this time, is to love him and one another, and that extraneous things of the world really don't matter. But the question is, are we living that way, or are we living in abject anxiety? You see, if we try to figure this out ourselves, if we think we can solve it, protect ourselves from it, isolate ourselves enough where we're not vulnerable, we're kidding ourselves. For if we're going to get it, we're going to get it. I'm not suggesting we don't take precautions. We should take every single precaution known to man, woman, or child. But at the end of the day, we don't control the outcome. But if we're trying to control the outcome and don't put our faith in the Lord, we will remain in fear. If we succumb to distractions that take us away from God so we don't have to feel the fear, drink too much, do things we're not supposed to do so we don't have to feel scared, we will again be running from God, running from ourselves in the fear as soon as the alcohol or whatever we're using to distract ourselves wears off, we will still be in fear. It solves nothing. My brothers and sisters, this is a time truly where we must remember that our God loves us and comes to us. For God to come to us, it means we need to welcome him. We need to open our hearts and ask him and pray every day for the grace to live in faith not to allow fear to dominate and destroy our lives. We are, so many people who are a lot smarter than me, have discovered that the evil one loves fear. That's where we're caught, in pride and fear. I thought that we can do something about it, that's pride, and our abject anxiety around it is fear. And that's where the devil resides. If we are to get out of this, we must allow God, who is trying to come into our lives more and more. Yes, we can't get to Mass, but we can watch it on TV or we can read the Mass. Yes, we have to isolate ourselves as best we can, although I don't know about you, but I still have to go to work. My job doesn't close, at least not yet, which is more than a little scary. But let me tell you, we must ultimately put our faith in God. That is what is going to get us through this. But what is important to note is that in both the first reading in our gospel, God comes to us. He's trying to come to us right now. We just need to open our hearts, open our minds, and allow him to enter in. So how do we do this? Prayer. Spending time alone with God, asking for his help, asking for his grace to get through this, praying for our friends and family and loved ones, offering what we're going through, our suffering, to God, who suffered so much for us. We are suffering in mind, body, and spirit. And this is a perfect opportunity to offer it up to God. My brothers and sisters, the coronavirus, as frightening as it is, will pass. This will not last forever. But what will last forever is our Lord will continue to reach out to us, he wants to be with us. He wants us to encounter him. He wants a relationship with us. We need to decide 
whether we're going to be like the man born blind, who is willing to allow, ultimately, his eyes to be opened. And when they're opened, as we heard in the gospel, he sees, he not only sees the world, he sees who Jesus is, the man who cured him, but more importantly, God himself. So may we have our eyes opened. May we allow the Lord into our lives so that the blindness of our fear will go away and we will be able to see how much we are loved, how much God cares for us, and we will live in faith, not fear. Now let us listen to Aaron Hale and Friends who sings, It Is Well With My Soul.
Catholics in the news. Confession has a confession to make. The sacrament of reconciliation isn't the draw it once was. A recent Pew Research Center study found that only 43% of American Catholics avail themselves of confession at least once a year. And from there, the numbers get grimmer. A paltry 17% go more than once a year, and a scant 7% go monthly. Usually offered in the middle of the weekend on a Saturday afternoon, confession can be a hard sell for busy Catholics. The subject matter, sin, can also be a stumbling block in a culture that can be at times too enamored with accentuating the positive. Confessing our shortcomings on social media or in the therapist's office or somewhere is more popular than ever. But seeking absolution and greater connection with God, not so much. That's why priests are pushing back against empty confessionals in novel ways. It's time for confession to make a comeback, they say. It wasn't preached and it wasn't made available, said Father Michael Diaconis, said of the decline. The more we talk about the benefits of confession and the more we make it available, make it easier for people. Father Brian Nolan realized the regular Saturday afternoon confession time wasn't going to cut it. Probably the worst time of anybody's week. Like who stops midday on a Saturday? So what they did was they changed it uh, to Sunday, Sunday morning and even Sunday night. Now both of these priests are from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and they are determined to increase people's participation in this incredible sacrament. One says, Father Nolan says, some people could say, well, sin is negative, but it's real. And to ignore it is like ignoring cancer. Instead of being weighed down by sin, God has given us a sacrament to help us be freed of sin. Father James Bork, also of the Archdiocese, is among the priests there championing the sacrament of reconciliation. He's rector of the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary in Baltimore. Father Boric, who decided to become a priest after a particularly powerful confession, has vastly expanded the hours the Basilica offers the sacrament. He offers it before midday masses daily from 11.30 a.m. to noon and also on Sunday. He even stays after mass and offers confession as well. He also offers the sacrament Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday from 5 to 6 p.m. We have to preach sin, Father Boric said. If there's no sin in the world, there's nothing wrong, so why go to confession? We've experienced a tremendous increase in confessions in Baltimore since they've been doing these things and opening it up and speaking about it. Now I've made a concerted effort over the last three years to preach about it. So have others. So they speak about Divine Mercy Sunday, speak about the importance of the rite of reconciliation. Father reports now he can sometimes hear confession for more than three, four hours straight. He recommends that to get the most out of confession, parishioners should do an examination of conscience beforehand. We just need to repent, he said. And I think that in some ways we're afraid of doing that, Father Boric continues. And it's hard. I mean, when you're calling out the sins of the culture, you know, whether it's promiscuity, living together before marriage, pornography, whatever, there is a solution salvation. Priests in Baltimore, finding ways to invite and increase participation in the sacrament of confession. This week's Catholics in the News.
Truth in the media. Having just celebrated St. Patrick's Day, it's an opportune time to learn more about this popular saint. Thankfully, there's a new documentary film that will satisfy that need entitled I Am Patrick, the Patron Saint of Ireland, a production of uh, the Christian Broadcasting Network in a docudrama that uh, kind of stays close to what we have been uh, about and know about Francis. We have some dramatization, some expert witnesses, some narration, some evocative music. The story of Patrick is deserving of an action thriller, really. A citizen of the late 5th century Britain that was part of the teetering Roman Empire, Patrick was a member of a family that belonged to the church mainly for the purposes of getting lower taxes, which they also collected. Religion was kind of an afterthought. They owned slaves. Patrick learned Latin played craps, lived a contemporary life. St. Augustine, he, he was one might call a dissolute youth. Then in the defining moment of a very young life, he was taken captive by Irish soldiers, spirited away to what then constituted the ends of the earth, Ireland, and, made a slave, and was made a slave. He then had a reckoning with God that would influence and direct the rest of his days. Unlike a lot of historical drama, I Am Patrick eschews romanticization and gives one a sense of how brutal life must have been in the early 400s AD, a civilization that existed in small, concentrated outposts surrounded by a great beyond, a tribal, mostly pagan empire falling apart. It was through this that Patrick had to navigate once he heard God's voice telling him to flee back to England, where he was enslaved again. Fasting, which he would do all his life, wasn't much of an option for Patrick during his flights. The historian Thomas O'Laughlin describes him as living on his wits, something akin to a prisoner of war. Likewise, when he returned in 432 to Ireland, Patrick was still technically a fugitive as a runaway slave. Most of I Am Patrick is based on the saint's confessio, which he argues himself is the least among the Christians and provides all of the very meager biographical information we have on him. This is fleshed out by the academics and historians who speculate, knowledgeably, about what likely happened and why. I Am Patrick, a new documentary-slash-docudrama giving us a glimpse into the life of this great saint. This week's Truth in the Media. An Alabama state representative has introduced a bill that would require men of a certain age or state in life to have a vasectomy. The the legislation entitled House Bill 238 was introduced in the state legislature by Representative Rolanda Harris, Hollis, excuse me, who's a Democrat. It provides that a man must undergo a vasectomy at his own expense within one month of his 50th birthday or the birth of his third child, whatever comes first. Hollis tweeted on Twitter on recently that her aim is to neutralize the abortion ban bill and help men become more accountable as well as women in planning families. The bill aimed to neutralize the Human Life Protection Act, which bans most abortions in Alabama by forcing men to sterilize themselves, basically, which is what a vasectomy is, to cut down on the number of cases where abortion is even an option. 
The responsibility is not always on women, she said. It takes two to tango. This will help prevent pregnancy as well as an abortion of unwanted children. So let me get this straight. A pro-abortion legislator is proposing forced sterilization to cut down on abortions. This makes sense? What? You gotta be kidding me. This can't be a real story, but it is a real story. I don't get it! Truth Topic of the Week Freedom seems to be one of the greatest goods that people want in the world. Recently, Pope Francis spoke about what true freedom actually is. God gives the grace both to follow his law exteriorly and to accept it into one's heart, which is what gives true freedom from passion and sin, Pope Francis said. Let's not forget this. Living the law is an instrument of freedom, which helps people to be freer, which helps people not to be a slave to passion and sin, is the whole point. Pope Francis spoke about the difference between formal compliance and substantive compliance with the law, which is to accept the law also in the center of our intentions, in our words, in our gestures, God's law being how we think, act, and behave. Good and bad deeds, he said, start from the heart. The Pope explained that by accepting the law of God into our hearts, we understand that when we do not love our neighbor, we kill ourselves and others to some extent, because hatred, rivalry, and division kill the fraternal charity that underlies interpersonal relationships. This is also true of gossip, he added. Jesus knows it's not always easy to live the Ten Commandments in this way, and for this reason offers us the help of his love. Francis said that Jesus came into the world not only, to, not only to fulfill the law, but to give us his grace so that we can do his will, loving him and our brothers and sisters. Everything, everything we can do with the grace of God, Pope Francis said. He explained that Jesus wants us to help have a correct approach to the rules of the Ten Commandments given to Moses, not seeing them as restricting our freedom, but helping us to be truly free, to be responsible and free through the law. It's about living the law as an instrument of freedom, Pope Francis said. It's a matter of trusting and entrusting ourselves to him, to his grace, to that gratuitousness that he has given us, and to welcome the hand that he constantly extends to us that our efforts and our necessary commitment can be supported by his help, full of his goodness and his mercy. Pope Francis, telling us the truth about God's law, which brings us true freedom, our truth topic of the week. Well, we've come to the end of episode 209 of the What is Truth Catholic podcast. If you want to let me know how you're doing, particularly during this coronavirus crisis we're having, please email me at deaconstevew, all lowercase, D-E-A-C-O-N, stevew at gmail.com. Now, I've made, as I've thought about things, a decision regarding the podcast. I am going to continue to record weekly, as unless I get sick and can't. Um, but I'm going to do special editions. Now, if you recall, for those who've been listening, special editions are a lot shorter 
mainly a reflection or talking about what's been going on in the world and God's presence in our lives, whatever it may be. Uh, let the Spirit decide that. So I'm going to do those, as long as I'm healthy, uh, weekly. Um, be posting generally on Saturdays. Um, and I will continue that through the end of the crisis, uh, as well as obviously some talk, uh, assuming I'm healthy, re on Easter about Easter and wishing you all a happy Easter and all of that. So uh, the podcast will continue through the special edition format. There'll be a lot shorter, maybe 10 minutes, um, and we'll go from there. So as we continue our Lenten journey, let us pray to grow in holiness by praying more, making small sacrifices, and accepting the challenges we're facing in this world right now and offering them up to Lord, to our God, to Jesus, who loves us. Lord, help us to discern the truth, the truth you call us all to live. Help us to live in this truth so that we can be as you created us to be, truly free. And let us ask our Lady's help in this journey. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now, and at the hour of our death. Amen. Until next time, God willing, next week, in our special edition, this is Deacon Steve. I invite you to join me as we discover together what is truth.